Rick Polk joined us on the Sport and the Growing Good podcast. Rick is the athletic director at Milwaukee Vincent High School. He also runs his own mentoring program called Own It Mentoring. More than these jobs, over many years, Rick has made a deep and profound impact on the Milwaukee community. And if you spend time in that community, especially his school area and the various neighborhoods and communities where he works so much, he's not known as Rick, but as Uncle Rick to everyone who knows him. In this podcast, Rick talked about the origins of that nickname and why it came about and why it still is meaningful to him to be known as Uncle Rick. He talked about a number of things that struck me as really important for coaches and leaders in the youth sport setting. Some of them relate directly to sports, but some go much deeper than sports. First of all, at a very basic level, Rick talked about the importance of access to sports and to new opportunities for young people. He'll be working with a group of youngsters through the Milwaukee Recreation Program this summer, exposing them to new games and new opportunities to to learn sport and to be out active together in really meaningful ways. As a mentor, Rick is known for elevating young people's voices and making them heard. He is a true advocate for young people in Milwaukee, and he talks about how we all, even the adults, especially the adults, can learn from young people. And if we give young people more attention, if we listen and sit back and allow space for voices to be heard, we can all grow together. And this is a great perspective. And Rick is really skilled at taking spaces where kids are interested, like sports or like other school activities, and allowing their voices to be heard in these spaces. Probably the most profound part of our discussion, at least from my perspective, was hearing Rick talk about his own vulnerability and how he has overcome challenges and how he has been willing to share his story with others. Being vulnerable in front of groups of kids and of other adults has allowed others to really see themselves in Rick and to learn and grow through his story. So it's so inspiring to hear Rick's story and a real pleasure and honor to get to speak with him today. And I know all of our coaches and and young people who are learning about leadership and growth and development in sports settings can be inspired by Rick as well. So thank you, Rick, for joining the Sport and the Growing Good podcast. several uh first i always start out with my parents um my parents and my siblings very impactful and it's just crazy that i come into this setting and and i still remember uh the values that my parents instilled in me uh my mom and dad instilled in me and today i live by those values and i encourage those values and the ones that come into my space and and into my life so my mom and dad were huge um i had some teachers mr beecher mr barrett uh, Ms. davis and basically taught the same thing those values uh those core values of um never giving up fighting to the end and um i take those with me and it's just 
crazy how it always comes back around. Now I'm the one trying to teach what they taught me. Where did you grow up, Rick? I grew up in Milwaukee. Uh, my first 10 years of my life was uh, in, in a province area on 23rd and Locust. I, I can remember the address. I remember the house I ride by there now. And it, in that area taught me so much because it was a village. So in the north side of Milwaukee, 53209, uh, it was a village. And, and I still hold on to that uh, today, it's that village. As you talk, think about that, a village, how does that actually play out? Is it in, in sports settings, church settings, family settings? And what, where did you spend your time as, as a kid in meaningful ways and, and who impacted you in those spaces? You already mentioned your parents, but um, was there a certain team or school setting or other place that you recall as being especially um, uh, strong memories? Yes, um, growing up in that neighborhood where, where I call the village, um, we had a playground where only a half a court and it was Emmaus Lutheran uh, Church. And uh, we used to meet there all the time. We couldn't wait to get up to go. And, and you know, as little young men, we didn't always brush our teeth or wash our face. We were so excited to just get to the playground. And uh, that's where the village started. And that's where we, we taught each other. We played against each other. We played hard. And, and I wasn't the best, but I, I tried to hold my own. And, and I met and, and created so many memories there that I still see and run into some of those young men and young ladies that uh, I grew up with. But when I mentioned that village over there, Mr. Miller, uh, I just think about when you got in trouble back in the day before you got home, <laughs> you had to deal with the parents until you got home. And, and those that's like I said, I will always go back to those values of growing up on 23rd and playing on that playground that taught me so much that I carry with me today. Um, and and then playing on Emmaus Lutheran uh, playground. You've done so much over the years. And, and I would like to ask you about some of those things specifically, but in our work that we do here we're especially interested in sport settings and and not just becoming good at sports per se like the technical aspect of sport but in becoming better people and developing better communities through sport is there anything in particular in your experience or in your perspective about sports as a place for young people to develop yes um i like to use sports to teach them everything about life to me, they're synonymous, they go together. Um, what you teach young people when you're coaching them and they're under your tutelage, once they leave you, you want them to carry what you taught them about sports with them into life. Uh, and it is that, that those same values, um, you have to be disciplined, you have to remain structured. Um, you're gonna come a time when you have to make a quick decision on the basketball court, on the softball diamond, you have to react. It's the same thing that you have to do with life. Um, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna have to react to certain things in your communities that you're gonna go back to. And I just want you to hear that voice and saying, ah, I gotta remain to my values and to be disciplined and not react in a negative way, but react in a positive way to get what I want accomplished. And, and that's what I teach. Um, and that's what I love to do is just say, just hear my voice when you, you're about to get in something in that community. Use your God-given sports ability 
out there in the community, it's the same thing. It, it, it's synonymous and it kind of goes together. Rick, can you share some of your most meaningful roles that you've held? I know you, again, you've done a lot over the years and we could have a, a whole series <laughs> on, on many of the things you've done, but so, some that in your mind, um, working in the high school or others that stand out to you as most meaningful spaces of impact on the community? Well, it is a lot. And, and when I do uh, interviews like this, it just takes me back um, to the start. And I, I just want to bring this up because it's sports and, and my daughter is not a sports person per se, but I remember coaching her team and this is where it all started and inspired me to, to do more. Um, she made two free throws Mr. Miller. And I don't recall her ever making a basket ever. And I put her in and they fouled her and she made two free throws. And that just brought, brought joy to my heart. And I said, well, if that brought joy to my heart and, and the teammates is just jumping all over, I want to continue to do this. Uh, so in a, in a very crazy way, her making those two free throws just inspired me to continue to push, to coach more. And then when I get to all the way to the high school level, um, being able to coach my son uh, in baseball and football and track and field and basketball, uh, it was so inspiring. And all the people that uh, we came together, we, we made it to state three years, but never were able to get that ship with him. But the, the state championships that we did win is just, it's hard to explain because the passion in my heart and me just being around those young men and learning from the coaches. Um, that was huge in my life. That was huge. Um, I never thought I, I would be on a stage and, and I'm not trying to shift this conversation, but one of the people who had an impact on my life, uh, coach worth my high school coach happened to win a state championship as an assistant coach. The same year I won my first state championship as an assistant coach. And we cried about that. We was like, wow. Cause I was, I wasn't the, the best athlete. I had a temper back in the day and he just recalled that and he said, and look where we are today. And that's what Amber, my daughter did for me by making those two free throws. She just said, if I can do it, dad, just keep pressing on in all the lives that you're going to affect, uh, by you coaching, not only sports, but in life will go a long way. And I hope that answered your question. Yeah. And so the little, it's amazing how little moments like that can be a spark, not only for the young people, but for us adults. And we can yes. see the meaning that they can have in, in a young person's life. Did, did moments like that spur you toward doing the work in the high school? Can you talk about what you do at the high school? Yes, it did. Uh, yes, it did. Me and my wife have been so blessed um, that the lives that we've touched are coming back to touch us now. And um, what I do, I call it the, my, um, if I can throw a little jab in there about my uh, own it mentoring is what I do uh, as a part-time job, but it's really a full-time job of mentoring young people, uh, middle-aged people and seasoned people to just give back to your community, give back and recreate that village. And I love it. That, that's my passion uh, of giving back sitting to listen, uh, to give them a voice, because a lot of our kids don't have a voice. You know, they're told what to do, when to come, and they don't have a voice. And I want to give them that voice. I wanted to give them the voice that people gave me when it seemed like I didn't have any direction to go. 
I want to give them those values that they can look back and say, wow, I remember he said that and, and I want to do that. That inspires me to that day. And I'm going to go back to those two free throws. Uh, I, it was one of those proud dad moments. Now it's a proud moment when my kids call me and say, I'm in college. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I have a job. Um, I got my driver's license. The small things uh, can go so far in life. And that, that, that's what drives me to this day. Um, I don't even know my age because I want to just remain young because they keep me young. And I want to keep inspiring and motivating uh, as much as I can. I'm interested in your thoughts on the difference between school-based activities like school-based sports or other things that are run through the school versus out of school activities. We're doing a little bit of a focus here on youth, youth sports. Yes. And there are a lot of really promising things about it. Lot, lots of great lessons to be learned for kids, but there's also some concerns with the way trends are going with youth sport. Um, and I know you've had a lot of experience both in and out of school with activities with kids. Yes. Do you see key differences or are you drawn to working with kids in one setting over the other? Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, um, Mr. Miller, I just, I like, I enjoy working with all kids, but it is something about the, the kids who seem to come from property and don't have, really have nothing and creating programs for them and getting them interested in those particular programs. Um, right now, I am the director uh, of our youth sports program that we will be doing in the summer. And I was, I was drawn back because I'm a basketball coach per se, right? But what was presented to me was soccer, tennis, softball, something that our kids really aren't into. And that just woke me up and said, okay, it's another level that you got to pick up. And I think with adding those at a young age, we're going to go sixth, seventh and eighth graders. Right. And adding those uh, particular sports to let them know that there's more than just basketball. There's more than just football. There are other sports that, and uh, that you can excel in. And yes, I do like working with the impoverished community uh, because I want to give them hope. I want to give them a dream that, Hey, I could play soccer, you know, I could play tennis, um, I could play softball. You know, it's so many other things that we can do. So I really like uh, staying within my community, but I don't have a problem stepping out of my community as well. And you know, in the, 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 my world, I would love to take the community that I teach in to another community so they can learn from and they can see in the best of both worlds come together. I'm interested in that summer program. So is that a, is that um, sponsored by the, the school district? Yes, it is. Yes, it is by Milwaukee Recreation. Um, and I've been working for them for um, several years and it was just presented because, you know, we're coming out of a difficult time uh, and we're trying to get back to what we call a norm. And when that was presented to me, I was like, let's go, let's go without even looking at my schedule because we want to get our kids back out and active. So that is uh, something I'm very interested in and I'm looking forward to as well. It's uh, one of the key issues in youth sport, again, is access to, to sport. And we've seen so many kids over this past year just have sports pulled out of their lives. And it's 
the effects of that are, are significant. So it sounds like a really great opportunity, not only just to get kids active again, but also to expose them to new sports and different yes, opportunities. Sir. Yes, yes. Um, when, when I read about your work, um, it goes a lot deeper than sport. I know that's been one of your key spaces, um, but I've read and watched you in action, read about and watched you in action um, as it relates to working with young people in Milwaukee. And yes. you, you brought up earlier their voice, student voice and young people's voices. Can you talk about that a little bit more in a, in a kind of specific way? First of all, what does it mean to be a young person growing up in the village where you, where you grew up um, yes. and also where you work now? And how are you supporting um, the community with regard to letting voices be heard? Well, I was just, um, a um, documentary just was presented out growing, growing up in Milwaukee. Um, and it really tells the truth about our students. It is a documentary that hits home. And I, I brought up that to give them a voice. Uh, a lot of our kids are silenced. So I, I go back to all of those influential people in my life. And I just want to be an influential person in their life. And I want them to sit and be able to open up and uh, talk about situations that they're afraid to talk about. I want to create a space where they can come and just openly talk. I know it's, it's uncomfortable, but I always teach them, once you become uncomfortable, that means you're going to become successful because now you will um, kind of alleviate some of those burdens that you've been holding on to. And just giving them a space and creating the space and, and sometimes just being able to give them a hug or give them a high five or give them a five and just to see the smiles on their face. Um, give them an opportunity to speak. And, and teach them that you don't be afraid to speak up for yourself. Don't hold all that burden in by yourself. And it's been working. I, I mean, I'm excited about it. I was, uh, it was a blessing to be uh, one of the featured people in, in growing up Milwaukee. And it just keeps driving me to do more because I, I know it's more out there, not only in our city. I want to start here in Milwaukee, but I want to take it to other cities in the state of Wisconsin. Man. I want to take it where it's so many kids that need to be heard or need to be inspired or don't think they have anything. And I just want to be a part of that. Um, that's the selfish part of me where I just want to be a part of inspiring and motivating someone to really own everything they do. It seemed in watching the documentary that there's almost, this could be me reading too deeply into it, but that there's almost like a, a turning point that kids have to get to, to be, willing and comfortable to talk. And that it's not something that comes natural to a lot of us as both adults and as young people, but especially as just being a teenager or whatever is, is it doesn't come natural to a lot of us to, to talk about kind of deep and difficult things, but it was remarkable to see how there's something about you that allowed that to happen. And I want to ask you a couple of things. First of all, you're known as uncle Rick to everybody. Now, where did that come from? And is that related to your ability to facilitate these conversations? Okay. I, I, when I first took the job at uh, Benson High School as a coach, my nephew was one of the players who was on the state championship team. And I, I, 
Mr. Miller, you call me Uncle Rick. And from that point on, it's like nobody knew who my last name was, was, was Polk. And they just kept calling me Uncle Rick. And I'm endeared now. Every time I hear someone call me Uncle Rick, uh, that means something. Now it's really special. Um, I'm Uncle Rick to, and it's like, I just, it's a funny story that I think of. A lot of parents will come and say, you don't have an Uncle Rick. And they say, yeah, we do. It's Uncle Rick right there. So when I hear that, it's an, it's endeared to my heart um, that you respect me enough to call me Uncle Rick. And it also now means so much because it goes with that voice. Um, I gave you a voice and it's like I gave you, 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 I gave you permission to call me Uncle Rick and you accepted permission to let your voice be heard. And it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, in that documentary, I've only watched it once because I get so emotional uh, about it that a lot of people and I'm, I'm, I, I'm not good at this accepting uh, some of the things that are said about me. And then when I watch it, I was like, wow, people did that for me in the village. And I just want to do that for them. And uh, I get emotional now, so excuse me. Um, just to see those, to have that voice, it means a lot to me. It does. It seems like um, your trust, the trust that you have earned with so many young people and so many families is time earned you've put in the hours and you've been there consistently um and so it seems like some of your great successes due to your ongoing commitment over the years on one hand that's a a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing on the other hand i it makes me wonder how do you replicate that i mean how not every community has an uncle rick not every school does uh, does do you think about that ever in terms of um it's hard to say, get someone like me in your school. How do we think about that as young coaches and leaders? How do we learn lessons from what you do um, in other spaces? Very, very difficult question. Um, my team, my own team always says we have to find a way to bottle this. And the best way I could say is just watch me work. It's nothing written down. It's not in a book. It's it's not a one through 10 step and method. It's just watching me work and showing the kids the passion, the love, the drive that I have for them, because what they don't know and what they don't see is as much as I give to you, it's because you gave to me and you opened up to me so I can give back. And I could just say, Mr. Miller, just if they just watch me work, uh, it's very hard. I've been asked that question and, and it's very hard to answer. My wife would probably say, you can answer, you can answer. But coming from me, it's just hard to answer. Uh, just watch me work. It's just my passion, my drive that keeps me uh, at 32 years of age <laughs> and keeps me going and keeps me going. I'm interested in this notion of vulnerability as a leader and as a mentor, because in order to, to do it really well. You yourself have to be vulnerable. You you just mentioned that it's even difficult for you to view this documentary because it's emotional and you're so invested in it. How do you keep going? How do you renew yourself and refresh yourself over these many years of being vulnerable and being so invested? Um, it's my story. Uh, and that's why I've been, <clears throat> my brand name is Own It. Uh, when I speak, I tell my story. 
And it, it came from my, my story and having to come out of that space. Um, and once I tell my story, it is so many that can connect to that. Not the particular story itself, but the story that I went through trials and tribulations. And I'm this happy-go-lucky guy. And how could you come to this? And it's just because I had to own up to the mistakes that I made. And when that, that psychologist told me that day that you have to own it if you really want to be renewed and transformed, that's what I want the kids to know. Uh, and it makes me vulnerable. It does. And I'm not afraid to be vulnerable if it's going to help reach the masses. And that's what I do in my speeches. I tell my story so we can connect. And once we connect, then I can start helping you to own everything that has happened in your life, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. And I, I, I now, I just open up. If you want to know anything about me, here I am. So if I'm going to be transparent to you, I just need you to be transparent back. And then we can get and connect. And then we can start owning everything that we need to own and move forward. That original story of a psychologist and saying this term, own it. Can you talk about that? Can you share that a bit? I can. I can. I, um, I can knock on wood now, nine years clean, uh, March 19th, um, I dealt with alcohol, uh, an alcohol addiction. And just to make a long story short, because I get emotional, um, I didn't want to get clean. I just wanted to keep living the way I was living. I thought it was okay. But along the way, I was hurting so many people and my beautiful wife and my children. And, uh, um, I finally agreed to get help. Uh, and I'm not going to be transparent because I say it in my story. When I went there, I wasn't going. I, I, my wife had went to work. I wasn't going. Uh, I wasn't ready. Well, I thought I wasn't. But I took that walk. And at that time, it was a walk of shame, but it built me to who I am to not be ashamed, if that makes sense. And when I got to the doctor, he asked me, how was I doing? And I came up with one of my lines, I'm great, marvelous, and fantastic. And he overlooked it. And he said, Rick, he asked me another question. I said, I'm great. He said, put his pen down. And he just looked at me and said, if you want this to work, you got to own it. And from that day forward, those two words have resonated and connected with me. Uh, and that's why I tell my story. And it's not for people to feel sorry for me because I don't want you to feel sorry for me because I'm in a great place because I own it. And when I heard the doctor say that, man, it, it meant a lot. Didn't know how far it was going to go like it is now, but it, it, it resonates. And um, that's not only for youth. Uh, that's for adults in itself. When you hear the story, not don't be ashamed. Tell yourself your story and accept what was wrong with that story, but own it so we can move forward and get past it. <clears throat> and then using that phrase for your for the work you do now, um, can you talk about own it mentoring a, a bit? I know we've touched on it a lot already, but it, what are you most excited about with regard to that? that oh, my. <laughs> that'll get me going there, Mr. Miller. I mean, I'm excited about the direction it's going. Um, and, and I'm going to say a lot came from growing, uh, growing up in Milwaukee. A lot of people have reached out to me in uh, various different communities uh, and asked, how can I help? And my team and I sat and said, um, you can help a kid dream. You can help a kid dream. And then they say, what is that? 
That means come into their space, get to know who they are. Let them see what your work that you do, and maybe you want to influence them to dream even bigger. Um, that own it, and we're going places, and I want you to listen for it, and everybody who's going to hear this, uh, listen for those two words, own it, because um, they're going to resonate around not only Milwaukee, not only Wisconsin, but in the U.S., that we can tell our stories, and we can own our stories, and we can get past them to make ourselves become better individuals. Rick, my last question for you relates to kind of coming full circle. You said growing up, it was like a village in a lot of ways that everyone did it together in your, yes. in your neighborhood and community and family. And now I get the sense that you are so well connected still to so many people. And as you work with Own It, as you work with the school district and others, um, can you talk a bit about the key partners in your work and how collaboration plays in? Yes, it's about community. Um, bringing the communities together. My opinion is we do so many things, so many great things, but we do them separately. And when I was raised in that village, <clears throat> that village brought us together. <clears throat> and that's where I want us to go take all of our organizations because they are great and they have so many positive things that we can do and bring them together. And that's that village that I was raised in. They always brought us back together. If we had a disagreement, we still were brought back together. So I'm saying to our communities, I'm saying to our cities, I'm saying to everyone in the state of Wisconsin, it doesn't matter what your views are, but Mr. Miller, Mr. Poe could have different views, but as long as we, agree to disagree and that's the village and that ties the village together and if we can just hear each other's voice and it's not yelling it's not screaming we could just listen to each other's voice and the passion of people crying out for help and assistance and all of the organizations uh in their um their their realm can help let's do it I, I'm, I'm urging, let's do it. Yes, I want Own It to be number one. Yes, I want another organization to be number one. Let's battle it out, but not battle for ourselves to be selfish. Let's battle to bring the village back together so everyone in the village can be successful. So in these next months ahead, what are the key steps for you? This is my, I, got, I already said that was my last question, but I keep borrowing more questions. <laughs> What's... On the horizon here, the, the summer with the kids, with the sport programs, um, what else in 2021 are you most excited about? I'm excited about coming out of this pandemic on a high, not a low. It's already brought us down. I want to get our kids in all communities back to doing what they love to do. Uh, and we're going to be a part of it some way, shape, or form. And looking forward and moving forward with the high school as I serve as athletic director to get these kids now because it's a teaching lesson in COVID-19. It set us down and now it's time to bring us back up. So we learned for a year, we've set, we've missed the whole school year uh, and now it's time to get back to a new norm, not the old norm, a new norm. Uh, we will be around to assist in any way, shape or form uh in every community 
And I want to make this clear when I say every community, it's just not Milwaukee. It's every community that needs to own it. Rick, how can people connect with you, learn about your work? Is it through the high school? Is that the best way to? That is the best way to contact me right now is through the high school. 